Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Blazers Edge podcast. I am your host, Danny Morang, and, well, I'm joined by my friend, the OG, y'all know him, Washington Post, Ben Oliver. PG, what's going on, buddy? Not too much, Danny. Does OG stand for old guy or original gangster? Which I, one are you? I think we're, we're both flirting with both of them now. I think that's how this Uh-oh. works. When the number, when that front number changes to a certain number, you get real close to it. So that's, that's kind of, that's how this goes, right? Yeah. I'm still clinging to what I call the mid thirties. Okay. So don't, <laughs> uh, don't, don't put me out to pasture yet, Danny, but it's great to chat with you. Um, obviously I'm kind of live down here in the, the weird Disney world bubble. I've mm-hmm. been here now. For about two weeks, I'd say I'm settling in pretty well, all things considered, but it's been a blur, man. It's just been you know, one of the craziest experiences of my life, I'd say. I mean, you're only a couple of weeks in, um, so we'll, we'll kind of start with this. I wanted to make sure we had you on because I, I, I wanted to have you on you know, during this this whole buildup because you were covering some interesting things. And then when I, I figured you, you were heading to the bubble, I'm like, we got to get him on when he's in the bubble just because there's so few of you guys in the bubble. There's so few people that are there to experience what is going to be, should be a once in a lifetime, just crazy. I don't want to call it an opportunity. So experience, I think that's probably a more appropriate word is experience. What's been kind of, obviously you, you did an essay for Washington Post, uh, kind of covering everything, but what was just kind of, for anybody who did, wasn't able to read it, what was the the general feeling leading into and then your first kind of week there where you had to go through a quarantine process was different from what the players have gone through. For sure. Well, for me, uh, there was a lot of nerves and, and apprehension about trying to get here. I mean, I just so everybody knows, like I live in L.A. Now they probably know that. But I was like on a one man bubble for the last four months. I mean, I was locked down basically as paranoid and as tight as you could be, um, you know, just because of the coronavirus. So I was having all my food delivered. Thankfully, like all my jobs were cool and everything. So I was in a very privileged position of just being able to just limit all social contact. I wasn't traveling anywhere. I was, you know, basically hardly ever straying outside of about a two mile walking radius from my apartment, just trying to ride the thing out, you know, as best I could, you know, always wearing a mask, you know, doing just every possible thing I could do to try to keep myself safe. So it was really like this dream scenario where they're saying, Hey man, you might be able to go cover LeBron and Damian Lillard and Giannis and Zion in a bubble, but the catch is you're going to have to fly across country and, you know, potentially be exposing yourself to the risk of all these players who were testing positive basically day in, day out in the weeks leading up to the bubble. So for me, it was like, all right, well, you know, this is a real, you know, this is a real catch. It feels like a movie pitch, right? It's like, how much are you really uh, willing to risk uh, to, to go down there? For me, it, you know, it was just an incredible, you know, you're talking about opportunity. I mean, for sure, from a career standpoint, it seemed like something that I would have major FOMO if I didn't come down. So I pretty much was all ready to go. But the crazy part is I had to get medically cleared to come down here. And, you know, I've had some, you know, I guess pre-existing conditions or whatever you want to call it. So I had to talk to all sorts of doctors, my primary care doctor, a cardiologist. Uh, you know, I talked to a psychiatrist just to make sure he was comfortable with this whole idea because, you know, the plan was for me to come down here for 94 straight nights. I mean, it's a long time away from, 
uh, you know, your typical routines and family and everything like that. I talk to experts inside the NBA in terms of medical, you know, people who like uh, work for teams who kind of determine whether their teams are going to participate and how they were going to participate. I talked to epidemiologists who had been interviewing for stories over the last couple of months, just trying to make sure everybody thought it was a good idea. And, and basically everybody gave the thumbs up to the NBA's plan. So I came down here, but I was still paranoid. You know, I wanted, I made sure I upgraded to first class on my flight. I was like hanging out in the Delta lounge, like, you know, 50 feet away from everybody else. I was uh, staying at a nice hotel the first night when I first got here before I could actually check into the bubble. I got a car service. I mean, I'm doing all this bougie stuff that I would never do because I was so, I was so paranoid that like, you know, one connection I could try to, you know, maybe screw everything up. Uh, so once I got here though, they started testing us every single night immediately. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're getting the swab in our nose. We're getting the swab in our throat. And then the next morning they would send us an email to say, Hey, you're negative. So pretty quickly, you know, in that first week I was stuck only in my hotel room. I couldn't leave. It's a typical Disney room, you know, two beds for a family, at a long desk, a little bathroom, hot water, flat screen TV. That's basically all I have here. Um, but once you start to get those positive tests day after day, it gives you this peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And now you start to feel protected. And now you start to think like, man, I've got better health care here than just about everybody in the <laughs> world. And you have a little, you're kind of happy and, and relieved, but you're also mm -hmm. a little bit guilty because you're just thinking like, man, every single person in the country should have access to this kind of care and, and this peace of mind because we're living in such a scary time with the pandemic. And so I, I feel very fortunate to be here from a career standpoint, but I also feel very safe. And, and I'll be honest, you know, if I go back to March, April, May, and I was thinking, what could a bubble be like? I didn't think I would feel this safe in it. I thought I was going to be, uh, you know, a little bit more, you know, just freaked out a little bit, uh, you know, a weirded out, but you know, so far so good. And, and part of that is because nobody's tested positive yet inside the bubble. And I think that's very reassuring to myself, but also to the other players too. So, so far it's got the Ben Golliver seal of approval. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, look, uh, it's so nice to be back to work. I mean, that's a big part of it. Like I was trying really hard to keep a positive mentality throughout the entire um, shutdown, but Danny, you know this, I mean, I'm doing five podcasts a week. I'm trying to write <laughs> three or four times a week. The only thing that I know or really care about at this point is basketball from a professional standpoint. Yeah. There was no basketball, right? So we're milking the last dance for every last drop uh -huh. that it was worth. We're trying to, you know, cover the the meetings and the negotiations and the conference calls with the league and the players union as thoroughly as we possibly could. But it's tough when you don't have games. For this week to be able to go back to a Milwaukee Bucks practice and watch Giannis drain some threes from the corner, be able to see <laughs> LeBron out on the court throwing lobs to a Dwight Howard, just to be able to cover post game press conferences where guys are making major social justice stands about Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and everything else. It just felt like a little bit of a return to normalcy. And obviously it's totally different. And we're going out there in these facilities that are totally empty. The teams are playing, uh, you know, practices in ballrooms that would typically be used for like tacky weddings or like regional sales conferences. I mean, it's like very strange circumstances. The, the arenas are entirely empty. There's less than 200 people you know, watching LeBron and Luka Doncic go head to head. I mean, it's the fewest people LeBron's probably played in front of since what fifth grade, you know, he's probably, probably been drawing bigger crowds since yeah. he was a sixth grader. Right. So um, the whole thing is weird, but it does feel good to just kind of get back into your routines. And, and that's been great. You, you touched on a little bit here. So I want to, I want to kind of give folks as much insight in, into the bubble that, that you can give here in that you were in your quarantine process in your room, not, in a facility, not, you know, locked on like one property, but 
a room for a week. Correct. For <laughs> Not sure. for sure. <laughs> and you probably saw I was going crazy, right? I mean, I was, yeah. I was trying to pace back and forth. I mean, I've been in a real like uh, diet and workout mode during the quarantine. I was trying to figure out how can I spin this, you know, horrible situation into like a personal positive for me and how can I stay safe? So I was trying to walk eight miles every single day before I got here. And the last thing I wanted to do was come here and let all that work go out the window. So, you know, I was pacing back and forth in my room eight paces at a time, trying to get, you know, five or six miles in during a day. I mean, uh, you know, it kind of started to feel like a little bit of a locker room in here. I'm not going to lie, but, you know, it was only me. So I didn't have anything to really worry about there. Um, the only times I had human contact over the course of that week was when they came to test me and you know, they, they would put Q-tips down my nose and throat. That would take about 30 seconds. They made sure to do that wearing like full medical gear standing right outside my front, uh, you know, my front door of my hotel room. So I really wasn't able to go further than that. And then they would actually bring three meals a day for me, prepackaged meals and leave it at my front door. And so I would be able to like, you know, kind of open my door to grab those and bring them back in. I mean, that was it for a week straight. And I had a, a green bracelet, which basically was like the cue to security that if they saw me out on campus, you know, I mean, it wasn't like arrest this man but it would have gotten me in serious trouble it would have been like hey get back in your room and by the way we're notifying the authorities and you're probably going to have to reset your clock and start over i mean we saw you know bruno cabloclo have that happen he left his room during his quarantine period and they basically made him do it over so those were the stakes for us during that week it was very strange once they let us out though man it was great like you just felt so free so alive i was joyous i mean uh, <laughs> the little things of the world like, are much more appreciative Oh, for sure. And my eyes were so like adjusting to the light because it's so bright and hot down here in Florida. So I was like kind of coming out sort of like, you know, Shawshank Redemption or something. And uh, one of the first people I saw was Donovan Mitchell. And he's like, welcome to the bubble. And I was like, what is happening right now? Like what kind of a weird, like surreal world am I in? But, you know, pretty soon you start to adjust. And it's funny, man. Everyone wants to compare it to summer camp or study abroad. And it's so true. Like you walk down the the little um, pathway that we have. Mm-hmm. And you might see, you know, Scott Foster and Mark Davis, the referees, they might be playing pickleball. You might see JaVale McGee with the fishing pole. Hey, there goes Brad Stevens walking and talking FaceTime, you know, probably, you know, talking to his family back home. I saw Lawrence Frank walking around, you know, doing his thing. The other day I was happened to jaywalk uh, because I was on my way to pick up a couple packages from the little shipping depot. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, Ed Malloy turns the corner and I'm waiting for him to, you know, call me for some sort of an infraction, <laughs> you know, like it's just a very surreal thing. So, you know, that part has been really cool, but I also want to just mention, like, we're still in a confined area, right? Like yeah. I'm out of my hotel room, but actually if you walk the perimeter of the the media zone, it's only 0.8 miles all the way around. We've got checkpoints on the far ends, which prevent us from walking into a lot of the areas that the players are able to access. They prevent us from going to the player's hotel. They prevent us from going to a market that sells a bunch of Disney items that the players have access to. There's That's the biggest drawback for you guys, though, really. For, well, for <laughs> sure. Like, you know, like they're trying to keep the players as safe as possible. Yeah. So I understand it completely. Like, they don't want anyone accessing the player hotels if they don't have to be in there. And so that includes the media. So for us... You know, we've got the checkpoints on each side. We've got a parking lot with nothing in it on our backside. And we've got a lake that has signs that say, you know, don't feed the, the alligators in front of us. Now, I've not seen an alligator yet, but theoretically, you know, if we tried to swim over to the player's hotel, we could be, you know, putting our lives in danger. So they have an actual like boat. <laughs> yeah. So those are the uh, those are the confined spaces that we've got to work with right now. And they're slowly opening things up. They said, hey, maybe you can rent some fishing poles next weekend. Maybe you'll be able to get a haircut you know, certain hours in a week or two, but for right now, you know, they've, they've really limited our lives and 
it's all part of their uh, their plans and procedures to keep the players as isolated from human contact as possible. All right. So you're talking about how you guys only have what 0.8 miles to, to kind of work in uh, on the perimeter. When you're moving around the campus, there's 22 teams there. And we were talking before we started, there's less than 15 quote unquote media members. That means there's less than one person to cover each single team that's in the bubble. What is it like to move around the campus you know, you already talked about, you know, being able to go into the box and see Giannis and, and, and see LeBron because kind of like everybody, everybody there. What is that like having like that many players? there, kind of not necessarily at your disposable, just like you, you can get to, but you can't get to. For sure. No, it's, it's super wild because like, I mean, I, I keep going back to like January with the Lakers and the idea that like when Kobe died, all of a sudden there was like 300 media members at every single availability mm-hmm. in practice. You know, we were camping out at the practice facility, waiting for LeBron to speak, waiting for somebody to speak about it. And there's every TV camera, you know, from all over the world coming to, to there and you're in a mosh pit. People are elbowing you. Sometimes cameramen are like threatening to fight each other. I mean, it's like a chaotic scene, right <laughs> here. I've been to multiple practices of teams that are like playoff teams, legit playoff teams. And I've been the only person there. Right. And there, there are mm-hmm. other media are, are kind of calling in from Zoom. And you're probably doing that on some of these Blazers calls. Right. Where you get the, the virtual press conference. Yeah. But I would be the only person at the practice. And like for the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, they dang near 170 games this year. And there's three media members total at multiple of their practices or even at their postgame press conferences. Right. So it's just very strange and unusual in, in terms of the in-person presence. Now, you know, if you look at, say, the Lakers or the Clippers, for example, a typical game for them is still going to draw just about every single media member here. Like their first scrimmage, there was 10 to, to 12 media members, you know, sitting there courtside watching that thing. I mean, every seat was pretty much filled. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think part of it is that you have to pick and choose. And for me, I've already kind of made peace with this idea that there's going to be teams here who I never even see, right. Like they're going to be gone in three weeks and I'm going to be like, Oh wow. Like I never even saw the Phoenix suns play. Or like I never <laughs> even saw them practice. Right. How are you going to throw the like, suns out of the bus immediately? Come on now. Well, well, I would have said the wizards, but I'm actually going to watch the wizards play the Lakers tomorrow. So I'm <laughs> going to get to see the wizards, but you kind of get what I mean. Like yeah. there's just no way to see all of them. And you know, within a couple of weeks, six teams will be gone within a couple of weeks after that, you know, another eight teams will be gone. So, um, you know, it's, it, you know, it's too much. Like think about during the playoffs, for example, how crazy it usually feels during a series. Like, uh, you know, tip, take a, a, a typical Blazers series from the, the past years. I mean, getting to like the Clippers and the Blazers practices, getting to their games, getting to their shoot arounds, it's exhausting. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's two teams in one city. So multiply that by 11. And that's what we're dealing with right now. I mean, they sent out a spreadsheet the first day to all 22 teams practice, right? So you could like, theoretically, if you were Forrest Gump, you could have tried to get to every single practice, but you would have only been able to stay there for like two minutes. Cause you would have had to move on to the next one. Right. So, um, it's, it's unlike anything I've seen before. It's crazier than an NCAA tournament where sometimes, you know, you get like, you know, four to eight teams at a single mm-hmm. regional. I mean, it's even crazier than that. So, um, it's, it's all about your kind of priorities. And I think, you know, at least for me, from a national perspective, that's meant starting with the, the national storylines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the true contenders, the teams that we kind of expect to be here in October and just getting a sense for like, how do they feel? I mean, the Clippers, half their team is out, right? Lou Williams did his thing. Montrez Harold did his thing. They're kind of coming in and out of the bubble. The Lakers have had some drama with Rondo breaking his thumb. The Bucks have been trying to get Eric Bledsoe back from 
uh, you know, his, uh, you know, his positive test. So there's just been a lot of moving pieces, even among the very best teams here that we're trying to wrap our minds around. Tell me, it doesn't seem a little bit strange this, to say the teams that are supposed to be here around October. No, it's super weird. I mean, the whole <laughs> schedule is completely thrown off. I mean, you know, when I first checked in, I got a confirmation email. It said, welcome to Walt Disney World Resort. Your 94 night stay has been confirmed. And I was like, wow, that's pretty wild. Like I've stayed in Vegas for like 30 nights, I think, you know, a few times just because USA basketball, maybe 20, 25. Yeah, you, you did the back-to-back summer league USA basketball the first time I went down there and I was like, nah, hard pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of built for this in a way. I mean, I've, there's a hotel in Oakland that I, for the, near the Oracle arena you know, mm-hmm. before they moved that I probably stayed in 150 nights over the last five years, just because <laughs> the Warriors are constantly making deep playoff runs. So I'm kind of used to that travel mentality, but not 94 nights in a row. And no. clearly they weren't ready for it either because I got a follow-up email and they're like, Hey, sorry, you know, we're Disney, you know, we're like a trillion dollar corporation, but we've actually never had anyone dumb enough to spend more than 30 consecutive nights at Disney world. So we don't actually have the capability in our reservation system to do a 94 night reservation. So we're going to renew you. Yeah. So I've got four separate reservations now to cover my (laughs) stay here. So that's like, that just tells you how absurd this whole thing is. Right. And now there's only going to be a very select few group of media folks that are going to stay the entirety of this. Uh, from the other groups, you're going to have guys that are going to come in, do kind of half, and then somebody else rotate in. What do you think is going to be different about being able to experience kind of this entire process? Obviously, the league has talked about opening up things a little bit more as things go along, as more teams go home. What do you? How do you think that evolution kind of plays out for you? Yeah, you know, it would be very interesting. I mean, part of it was just kind of chance on my behalf. We have a smaller staff at the Post covering the NBA than some of the other outlets. So, you know, a lot of the people who are here now will just, you know, trade out halfway through with one of their other staff members who happens to be at home. To me, I think it kind of gives people who stay the whole time an advantage because there is a real acclimation process. Like mm-hmm. the entire first week you're in quarantine and then your second week, you're just trying to like figure out where everything is. And it was like pretty confusing to find out where the practice is at and how do you get there? There's these shuttle buses we have to take. You have to make sure you're at the right place. You have to make sure you go early. Um, you know, a lot of things are changing last minute because the, the teams kind of dictate the schedules. So I think from that standpoint, you know, people who come halfway through, like it will be very cool for them to get to cover the, the best parts of the playoffs, you know, the conference finals and the mm-hmm. finals. But there's going to be a, a just kind of a, a buildup and, uh, you know, just a, an adjustment period for them. Uh, I think, you know, for me, I think another main advantage is just being able to paint the entire story from start to finish. And I've been covering the bubble idea since March. I think my first story floating a bubble was like less than a week after the league shut down. Mm -hmm. I think on a podcast, I mentioned it like maybe two days after, you know, Rudy Gobert tested positive and they suspended the season. I was like, okay, well, here's how I would do it if I was in charge. Right. And, um, you know, ultimately like you do want to see the story all the way through to completion. So I think I'm, I'm kind of happy and feeling very fortunate and blessed that I'm going to have, the opportunity knock on wood, assuming everybody stays healthy mm-hmm. to kind of tell that entire story because it's a crazy story, man. It's it gets so funny for me too, because I hate science fiction <laughs> and I don't like Disney world, right? Like I don't like <laughs> Disney at all. I've, I haven't really seen I haven't seen any of the movies. I don't know any of the characters. You haven't seen like, any Disney movies. I've seen probably three Disney movies in my entire life. I just like never got in. What, what, what three Disney movies have you seen? 
Well, that's the thing. I just associate all cartoons with Disney movies, so I wouldn't even be able to tell you, is it truly a Disney movie? I've seen, um, is Lion King Disney? Yeah, there you go. There's one. Okay, I've seen Lion King. I can confirm that. Um, you know, past that, I maybe I saw Bambi when I was a very small kid. Your, your parents didn't, didn't give you the Disney treatment? I just think I'm out, man. You know me, I'm a reality-based person. You know, I'm just like too <laughs> literal. I just want documentaries and I want history stories. You know, every time I watch a cartoon, I'm just like, this never happened. You know, like I have a hard time wrapping my mind around it. So for me, like, you know, the Disney part of it and the sci-fi part of it, which a lot of people are like really excited about, I'm like, I was kind of dreading. And then also like people were like, oh, it's going to be exciting to be in Florida where it's like hot weather. But like L.A. is like has better weather. It's just not yeah. humid. You know, it's so like you, that, you so, don't want to kill yourself basically is. Yeah, right. So some of these adjustments that other people were kind of like looking forward to as like positives, I was kind of looking to, towards <laughs> as a negative. But, you know, ultimately, like if they're able to put basketball on safely and I get to watch these guys play and we have these games, that's like my heaven. Right. You know, yeah. I, the other day I was staying seven hours at a gym and the back to back games that we watched was like Giannis and LeBron and Luca, like, you know, over Terrible. the course of an afternoon. Terrible. What a day. What a day. You know, it's like, can you, <laughs> can you do anything better than that? And I could hear these guys calling out the defensive play coverages. I could hear Frank Vogel telling a referee, all Luca does is try to sell calls. Uh, you know, we could hear Wesley Matthews, you know, Blazers legend, Wesley Matthews mm-hmm. telling a referee that he missed a call probably because, you know, he'd been off for four months. He hadn't been doing his job. So he needs to kind of get back into the swing of things. I mean, you just have these like really good moments that, uh, you know, for diehards, it's like a dream just a perfect. scenario. And, uh, you know, it's hopefully it stays that way. Here's the thing though. It, it feels almost too good to be true. And you know that it's only like one round of negative or positive tests away from all going away. Yeah. There's this very eerie situation where we're like, I'm just constantly crossing my fingers because we're already having so much fun. And the basketball is already so fun that like, you just don't want it ruined. Like don't spoil this situation. Keep everybody healthy. Cause um, you know, it, you just, it just kind of hangs over everything. Has that kind of, has the Lou Williams situation kind of exacerbated that feeling a little bit? For sure. Well, and not just him too, but just like, you know, even Rashawn Holmes with the postmates mm-hmm. and you know, all of that, because, you know, you get this false sense of security and you also get a little bit of Stockholm syndrome, right? Like, you know, it does feel a little bit like we've mm-hmm. been kidnapped by the NBA <laughs> and like they're in charge and like, we have to trust them because they're running everything. Right. Like we, it's not like I could be like, you know, I have my own, uh, my own testing procedure I'd like to do. Like there's, there's no contact with the outside world other than like we can order stuff off of Amazon basically. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're totally, our health is in their hands and they're doing a really good job at, at making everybody feel comfortable. But at the same time, you're just like, well, um, there's really no alternative here. So we kind of have to hope. And that's why when there has been situations like Rashawn Holmes or Lou Williams, it's very comforting to know that they're going to take a hard line. They're not trying to bend the rules. And they're continuing to test those guys because if they did try to turn a blind eye to it, it would be di- very disconcerting. I interviewed Lou Williams like two days before he left the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. If he had left the bubble and those, tw- you know, the, the Instagram hadn't come out and nobody ever knew, I could very easily be interviewing Lou Williams two days after he gets back in. And that exposes me, right? So I don't want, uh, you know, that kind of a situation, especially because I'm doing things the, the right way. And, and most of the people here, by the way, are doing things the right way. The level of mask usage is very, very high. Not 100%, but very close to it. Um, you know, you're seeing players using the wet wipes to wipe things down after practice. You know, you're seeing 
uh, you know, guys eating, you know, if people are hanging out, they're doing so outdoors, they're staying distanced a little bit. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot of buy into the rules and the protocols. And for Good. me, I had no idea what to expect when I was coming down here. I'm just thinking, oh, these guys are going to be doing God knows what because they're <laughs> NBA players and they're just used to being able to, you know, live their lives. Yeah. And, and so far they're bought in, which is great. Well, that's good to hear. Um, well, let's talk about the the game product itself um, because that's that's something that's definitely unique here. As you said, you got maybe 200 people in a gym for a game featuring LeBron James or Giannis or Luka Doncic, and it's just that's mind blowing. Like it's it's I mean, I, I, it's not going to change between the scrimmage and the actual games as far as what the game is going to look like as far as who's going to be there and what the presentation package is. So what has this kind of been like being in just kind of the lead up shoot around tip off how, you know, coaches are interacting with players, with officials, how has that entire process just kind of transpired for you? Like actually being in the building. Yeah. So, I mean, for the first thing is that, you know, the, the arenas feel like TV sets, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole thing is made for television. That's the only reason why they're doing this to get the TV revenue. Right. So they have all these bright lights. You feel like you're on a TV soundstage. They've got those video boards in the background, which are definitely trying to appeal to the, the TV audience and, and try to, you know, downplay the fact that it's in an empty gym. Um, you know, it's very quiet in there, but they do have en- enhanced sound. So you hear all the uh, sneaker squeaks and you can hear the players uh, talking and 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 uh, interacting, uh, but also we're just really close to the court. I mean, that's the part that really stands out. Is like, you know, the basketballs are flying into the media seat during uh, you know pregame warmups. I'm ready for somebody to go diving to save a loose ball and you know wipe out a couple of reporters. Like that's completely possible because you know we're that level of close to it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so it's it's a it's a fun viewing experience. Uh, I think the basketball has actually been better than I expected so far. I just kind of wonder if some of these teams were, were scrimmaging or, or kind of getting together before they even got down here, just because the chemistry, like, especially from the Lakers, the chemistry was just like really on point, you know, good defensive rotations, uh, you know, good extra passes, a lot to chatter from these guys. So you just kind of think like, huh, like these guys are definitely ahead of my really low expectations for choppy <laughs> basketball, you know, given the, the four month layoff. But I also think the star level guys, are really locked in LeBron Giannis, the Clippers stars. I think they've kind of reached that mental point where it's like, look, these are the terms. Like we're down here. We're kind of over it. Like we get it. It's weird. Right. But mm-hmm. now it's time to kind of lock in. They're still playing for a title. We're still playing for the contracts. We want to go as deep as possible. Um, you know, these games are going to count for history. So let's go out there and do it. And especially from LeBron, I mean, he feels rejuvenated, after, you know, the time off, he's not coming into the playoffs after, you know, a long grueling season with like huge usage rate, like usual. And so I think from, uh, you know, definitely from his standpoint and from Giannis's standpoint, it's right back to this idea of like, well, look, there's no fans. Sure. We're not in our home arenas. There's no home court advantage, whatever else. Like we're still competing. It's still me versus you to see who gets to be the best player. And I think that part has settled in very quickly. I mean, these guys are just like, I'm excited to be back to business. Like I said earlier, the players are very excited to be back in business. I'm going to hit you with the question. It's the dumb question, but I think it's one that it changes depending on who you're talking to and how they're looking at things. And you said how this is going to reflect in kind of the annals of history. Does a, does a champion have an asterisk here? Well, I mean, look, what's the point of an asterisk if you're not going to have it to use on the weirdest season in NBA history? Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, and this is the context, the NBA has crowned a champion 
every single year since 1947. So there's, so like one argument is, you know, what's the only thing worse than an asterisk is a blank spot next to 2020 champion. Mm -hmm. So I think from that standpoint, I am really, really hoping that they're able to provide a resolution so that all these players who have worked so hard get the payoff of somebody winning. Um, I do think that if you get a team that people don't expect winning this, if you get a team crippled by the coronavirus where they have to forfeit or have the uh, rosters out of the rotation and, you know, they wind up getting upset. I think that's going to open up the opportunity for excuses and for people to say, Hey, look, you know, you're going to have to prove this in a regular season and we don't really buy it. I think if you're a guy who's never won before, if you're Giannis, if you're James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Jokic, and somehow those teams wind up winning the title, I think they're going to face more of that asterisk talk, the second guessing. Mm-hmm. I think if you're LeBron, if you're Kawhi, you've done it in multiple locations, you know, with multiple teams, this would be, you know, your, your third different team, you know, for both of those guys, if they win it, I think that they would face less of that stuff. Um, but ultimately like we have a long way to go to October. And I do think that, you know, this reality will set in for people. If the basketball is a high quality and everybody stays healthy, I do think that's going to kind of help validate um, what the result would be. But for sure, people are going to look back on 2020 for all time and say, hey, look, that was just a different year. You know, they didn't play 82 games. There was a long break in the middle of it. They didn't invite all the teams back. There was only 22 teams. Uh, you know, they added a play-in round, which they had never done before. They played in empty arenas. There was no home court advantage. Some people left the bubble. Some people never even showed up because they weren't comfortable. Like, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that are going to wind up contributing to that conversation. Uh, me personally, I am hopeful that they can crown a, a champion that is validated by everyone. Um, but I'm also a little bit suspicious about whether you know, casual fans will view it that way. <laughs> Come on. You gotta, you gotta give the, the casuals a little more credit than that. You don't, you don't have to, um, we'll hit you with a couple of listener questions. We'll get you out of here. You know, you, you know, you gotta get up a hard out and, and get back to work. Um, uh, first one from team mom, my former co-host Tara bone Biggs. Oh, Hi, I ben. miss Tara. How's she doing? She's doing good. She, 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 she's enjoying her freedom now. So she's, she's, free, <laughs> she's free from me, uh, for the time being. Uh, she, she wants to know this, this is, this is an interesting question. This is Tara's good for these for that's for damn sure. If you could transport any team from any other era into the bubble to cover, which team would it be and why? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I think my mind first goes to the 96 bulls, you know, that 72 and 10 team Remember mm-hmm. there, we saw him on the last dance coming into that season on a mission. Jordan was so pissed that, uh, you know, he lost the magic after coming back from baseball that he punches Steve Kerr in training camp. You're just talking about, you know, the greatest player of all time at the peak of his powers, you know, wearing the Jordan 11, setting all the cultural trends, having those kind of interpersonal dynamics where he's just, you know, furious with his teammates, trying to coach them up, lead them to a title because it was a whole new cast of characters after he had left for, uh, you know, baseball. On top of that, you get Rodman trying to deal with the, uh, the quarantine rules. I mean, that would be, you know, probably a a three hour movie in and Uh of itself. Plus you get Pippen as, you know, another all-time great Phil Jackson, the Zen master, you know, adapting all of his principles to uh, this crazy quality of life aspect here at Disney world. And I bet, you know, to be honest, I bet if there's anybody who hates the idea of Disney more than me, it's probably Phil Jackson. So I'd love to get some of his rants about, you know, what's going on with Disney and why do we have to be down here and all that. Um, So I think it's kind of an obvious answer. Sorry to, uh, you know, to be so, uh, you know, textbook Tara, but 
that's the team for me. Uh, it, no it's, it's allowed. I was, I, I thought you might try to sneak in like Gilbert Arenas wizards. I thought, I thought, <laughs> I thought that might be, you know, a little, little, little Javaris Crittenton, you know, I mean, if we're talking about interesting, I mean, that'd be an interesting team to cover down there. That's for sure. Well, just, just like I don't want anyone, you know, leaving for strip club or for Postmates, I really don't want to encounter any guns at the happiest place on earth. Okay. We don't, I just, the risk factors, I don't want any of that. I want the distractions to a minimum. I want the basketball and maybe the soap opera around the basketball part of it. That's what I'm really, not the real life soap opera. Yeah, no, no, that's yeah. I, yeah. Let's just keep, uh, you know, any, any firearms (laughs) away from me as far as possible. Is there, you said break speaking, breaking quarantine. Is there a food out there? that you would just pay an exorbitant amount of money for to have it delivered to, to the bubble for right now? Well, I didn't last more than 48 hours before I ordered <laughs> 64 ounces of peanut butter because my, my body was going through protein withdrawal because for the first couple of days, I didn't have the vegetarian-friendly menu. So like ah. the only protein that they were giving me was protein I, I didn't, I, you know, didn't want to eat. So I ordered a, just a vat of peanut butter, and that has sustained me very, very well. I mean, the, the quality of the meals does vary here a little bit from day to day, mm-hmm. um, especially from a vegetarian standpoint. So having that just like a lot of peanut butter on deck at all times has been very helpful. In terms of like what, you know, the meals that I probably miss the most, um, you know, that's tricky. I'm like a big Thai food guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm just kind of thinking of like the meals that I eat when I'm at home. Like if I order out, I, I get a lot of Thai food. We haven't really had any Thai here. It's probably the longest I've gone without Thai food in a long time. So, you know, if you're telling me I can get, you know, some Penang curry, uh, you know, and some veggie rolls and some nice brown rice and some peanut sauce. I mean, add all that up. That's starting to sound pretty good. Danny, <laughs> me. All right. This is one that I got from a couple people. How many movies did you watch during your week long quarantine? And what movies did you watch? You know, I didn't watch, um, I'm not sure I watched a single movie during quarantine. I did watch a bunch of Money Heist. Um, I wanted to season three of that show on oh, okay. Netflix. Um, and, I, you know, I love heist movies. And also I was mentioning Stockholm Syndrome earlier. Like the whole show is about <laughs> Stockholm mm-hmm. Syndrome. So it was like very apt. I'll tell you that quarantine was unlike anything I've ever been through. I think I did more than 30 interviews, whether it was podcast, radio, TV, um, just about the experience. Cause I, you know, I, I put a couple, a couple of videos of myself kind of going stir crazy in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of people wanted me to just recount my misery, uh, to their audiences, you know, Absolutely. so uh, I, I found myself like right in the middle of that media storm. So that's how I pretty much spent most of quarantine that, and just writing a lot, you know, just, you know, just trying to set the stage of what it's like down here. You know, it's almost like we're doing diary entries practically, you know, in terms of this mm-hmm. experience, cause there's so much fascination about it. So that's kind of how I passed the time during quarantine and also FaceTime too. You know, I was, uh, I had a lot of loved ones checking in on me. Let's just put it that way. I think people were, you know, like they saw the video of me planking and they're like, uh Oh, this guy, <laughs> this guy might be losing it. Let's make sure we do a couple, we do some wellness checks, you know? Yeah. The one where you posted your steps on your watch. I think that's when I texted you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. Cause I do think, I think I got, what was my record? Maybe like 17,000 steps within a hotel room in one day. I mean, yeah, you, I just, the one you put up was like 13, four. And I was like, Ooh, Ooh what are we doing here, dude? <laughs> I know it was, uh, you weren't alone. Let's put it that way, but everybody needs to know I'm doing fine. And, and there's no hostage situation here. Right? They're not forcing me to say that I can, 
I could take a picture of myself, you know, next to the the, the paper, you know, the new get, get your proof of life. On. Yeah, I'm still alive. I'm doing great. All right, what's the one thing you wish you would have brought with you besides the peanut butter? Wow, that's well. So I've already made some purchases on that front too. So once I got here, I realized that like 94 days is no joke, and like mm-hmm. I really needed to have a home office set up like I do at home because you know, I'm I. I'm just pulled in a lot of directions from a work standpoint. You know, I, I obviously I write, but I also take photos. I go for my stories. I take videos that sometimes go for my stories, go for social media. I'm doing a whole bunch of podcasts, as you know. So that is just kind of an intense work environment. I've got a good setup at home. So some of the first things I bought, I got like an external monitor just so I have two screens. I can work a little bit more efficiently. I got a wireless keyboard and mouse. This was stuff that was going to be like hard to transport on a flight, you know? Yeah. So I've, I've got that just to be a little bit more efficient. One of my podcast listeners was nice enough to send me a really nice mic stand. So I've got a little like home studio podcasting vibe going on in my hotel nice. room. Um, that was pretty much my first round of upgrades. The other splurge item though, I, you know, it's very, you know, textbook, uh, you know, very almost like, uh, you know, a self, uh, a self own, <laughs> but I got a really fancy Nike, uh, sorry, Lego Lamborghini kit. So I'm going to be building this like crazy Lamborghini. It's, you know, it's like 5,000 pieces. It's probably going to take me two months to do. So that's going to be like my main um, diversion activity when I'm here is putting this thing together. And I have two beds in my hotel room. Obviously, like no overnight visitors allowed. You know, I'm not, we're not, there's no roommate situations. So I've turned that second bed into my Lego building station. So I'm oh, okay. looking forward to that here, here as the things slow down a little bit. Are you a glue the Legos guy together? No, I, I've thought about that in certain situations and I've definitely had disasters where I've accidentally like dropped transporting the Lego from one place to another and had it shatter. Um, but no, I'm not a glue guy. I'm, I'm old school. I'm traditional. And ultimately, like once I build this thing, I'm probably going to have to take it apart to travel home at some point. So uh, uh, I'm, I don't want to glue it because then it's like, do I need like a seventh check bag to get back <laughs> home? You know, Can it, just put it in the FedEx box and ship it home, man. All right, well, we'll let you get out of here uh, on on that one. Um, thanks for coming on, man. I hope everything goes well. Stay safe. Uh, all the things, you know, it's 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 crazy to hear, you know, how everything's kind of going down there for you and everything that is kind of coming your way as far as what to expect and what that world is. Any any last thoughts, pearls of wisdom? Uh, or insights from, from inside the bubble? Um, not really. I would just say like, obviously thanks to all the Blazers edge listeners and, and the Blazers edge readers over the years. You know, this is one of those experiences where like, I felt very, very lucky to be kind of selected and to have a company like the post be willing to spend. I mean, it was $54,000 to mm-hmm. send me down here, you know, which is just an insane amount of money and a major commitment. And that covers the room and the board and the testing and all that stuff. But I just feel very, very lucky. And like, there's a 0% chance I ever would have had this opportunity without Blazers Edge. So um, I think that's kind of been on the front of my mind here as you're doing a lot of reflecting, even before the, you know, before the bubble, just like, you know, the the COVID pandemic just kind Mm -hmm. of makes everybody step back and think. And so I think that was definitely on my mind for sure. It's just like, it's been a crazy ride covering this sport. This is the weirdest experience I'm probably ever going to get to have as a reporter. I mean, even if I'm lucky enough someday to cover an Olympics or, you know, cover whatever the other big things are out there that people want to cover. Um, this is, you know, right up there in terms of just like, you know, surreal vibe plus just randomness plus, you know, the goofy factor and everything else. So 
um, you know, I, I'm just feeling very blessed and thankful and, and glad for good health for myself and my family members. And I hope that the same is out there for you and, and uh, you know, all your listeners too. I hope everybody's staying safe. And, uh, you know, I appreciate their support going all the way back to 2007, if you can believe it. <laughs> yeah, it goes back just a, a little ways. Go ahead and uh, plug anything you got coming up, man. No, I just tell people, if you want to follow along to what I'm writing or what I am, uh, you know, what I'm talking about on a regular basis, the two best places would be, you know, WashingtonPost.com. Uh, there's an annual subscription right now for $29, which is a ridiculous deal. That's I mean, a good the elections. Deal. The, the election's coming up and everything else. I mean, if, if you're able to do that, like send me a little receipt. I know a lot of people have been subscribing recently. I love to see that on social media. I'm glad to reshare that as a show of my gratitude. And I'm also doing, you know, two extended podcasts a week, uh, greatestofalltalk.com. That's my uh, subscription podcast with Andrew Sharp. And that's where we really get into the nitty gritty of the bubble life. So if you haven't subscribed there, consider doing it. And I'm still doing an open floor podcast as well with Sports Illustrated. So people can subscribe to that on Apple Podcasts. It's free, um, you know, twice a week, you know, give and takes on, you know, the basketball environment here and what life is like and all that stuff too. So that's how people can follow. Um, it's and Twitter at Ben Golliver, Instagram at Ben All right. Thanks for that. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Stay safe. Uh, stay away from the alligators. Make sure you get your protein. We'll check in with you again uh, here in a couple of weeks. All right, brother. That sounds perfect. I'm going to make a to-do list. It says Danny's rules. And I'm just going to follow every single one of those. It's perfect. I'll, I'll be right on track. I'm sure they'll do wonders for your life. I, I, I guarantee it. I love it. All right, man. Take care. You too, brother.